Thanks for joining us today for the Fellowship Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, visit fbcpanamacity.com. Now, here's today's message. In Colossians chapter number one, I want us to look at verse number 24, and then we'll get into the message this morning. The Bible says this, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. I want to focus on that part right there, the body of Christ this morning, as we look through verses 24 through 29, the body of Christ. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. We are so thankful that we've had the wonderful opportunity to come together during this Thanksgiving week and praise you because truly you've been so good to us. Lord, we can praise you in the valleys. We can praise you on the mountaintop because of your faithfulness. God, you are constant. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever, and we praise you for that. God, we pray that you would be with this message this morning. God, I pray that you would help us to, as we look at who we are in Christ, we're part of the body of Christ. And Paul lays out here a couple of things that we, as the body of Christ, Lord, can do and should be doing. Lord, that you would help us here at Fellowship Baptist Church, the our assembly here of believers in Panama City, Florida, that we would take hold to the fact that we are a part of his body and that in Christ and by his working in us, we can see these things accomplished. Lord, I pray that you would be with me this morning. I need you. I pray that you would give me uh, just, Lord, the strength, Lord, the words to say this morning, that you would be seen through your word and that lives would be changed through the preaching of your word this morning. God, we want to hear from you. I pray that our hearts are already ripe and ready to receive your word. Pray that you would bless us. God, we'll, we'll give you all the praise and glory for what you'll do to, for us this morning. In your precious name, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. A lot is found within this one sentence, but I want, to, want us to focus on first and foremost is uh, the, the phrase here, for his body's sake, which is the church. Now, whose body is, is this that he's speaking of? This is Jesus's body, right? The church is Jesus's physical presence on earth. And make no mistake about it, it is his church and not our church. The Bible says in, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus was speaking to Peter and he told Peter, upon this rock, speaking of himself, I will build my church. You see, he is the head, like we talked about in verse number 18. He is the head of the church. He, uh, he is the head of the body, the church. The Greek word there for head in verse number 18 means the source and origin as well as the leader and ruler. Understand the body of Christ. Uh, just what does that mean for us? Why is it so important that we know that we are a part of the body of Christ? Because if Jesus is the head of all creation, how much more should he be for the church? Understand our head in, in our 
many of our churches today becomes our programs. It becomes our ways. It becomes our interests. And what happens, our focus on Christ is removed. And understand, the Bible clearly teaches that the body of Christ is the church. Jesus is the head of the body. And that's very important for us to grasp before we get into the rest of the message this morning. As we get into the rest of this passage, notice here in verse number 24, Paul says he rejoices in his sufferings. Paul didn't ask when he was, when he became an apostle or when he became a part of the body of Christ, he didn't ask the question, what is in it for me? He didn't ask the question, what am I getting? What am I going to get out of this relationship with Jesus Christ? And oftentimes that's our approach to, to our relationship with Christ. What am I going to get out of it? Right? What's in it for me, but rather we see by Paul's life, we see the question was, what will God allow me to put into it all? That was Paul's question. What will God allow me to give? What will God allow me to do for the church? And so today I want us to see that as the body of Christ through this passage of scripture, the church, number one, can rejoice in suffering. The church, the body of Christ can rejoice in sufferings. And you're thinking, you're looking at me today like, what did he just say? Right? Rejoice in our sufferings? I mean, I don't really know the definition. I don't need to know the Greek word definition for sufferings in the Bible. Suffering doesn't sound good. But we can rejoice in our suffering. The Bible says, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you? In verse number 24, Paul says, I take joy in my sufferings for you. That word sufferings does mean distress due to adversity. Distress due to adversity. Suffering doesn't sound like a blessing to me, right? Suffering doesn't sound necessarily something that I would rejoice in, but he goes on to explain why he can rejoice in his sufferings. Look at verse number 24. And fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh. Now, when you first read that passage of scripture, you might've been thinking, that's a little prideful, Paul. I mean, what, what are you trying to say here? Um, and, and as we, we, we look at it initially, we think uh, that Paul might be saying that, that Christ did not do enough on the cross through his sufferings, but that's not what he's saying. As you study this, we, we, we study the word affliction here. It does not refer to the sufferings of Christ on the cross at all. In fact, this word here in the Bible, the very word afflicted, is never used in referring to Jesus' suffering on the cross. Okay, so that's out of the, out of the picture. This word is never used. It's not, it's not talking about the sufferings of the cross. Affliction here refers to Jesus feeling the infirmities of his people. Jesus feeling the infirmities of his people. And, and how, we, we might sit here and say, well, how can that be? How can Jesus feel our sufferings? How can he feel our hurt? I mean, isn't he at the right hand of the Father? Amen? He says, isn't he in heaven? How does he feel the afflictions of us? You understand Paul was guilty uh, of afflicting Jesus and Jesus called him out on it, didn't he? Paul was on the road. He was Saul at the time. He was on the road to Damascus and he was on his way to persecute the church. He was persecuting Christians. 
He was persecuting the church. And what did Jesus say to him when he met him on the road to Damascus? We find in Acts chapter 9, verse 4, and he fell to the earth. This is speaking of Paul. And he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Paul was not directly hurting Jesus Christ in a physical way, but because he was persecuting the church, Jesus said, hey, because you're persecuting my body, which is the church, you are persecuting me. Jesus feels your infirmities. He feels your sufferings. So here, Paul was rejoicing that he should be suffering for the sake of the body, which is the church. Paul's attitude here really is, Jesus took all the blows that were meant for me, and so now I want to take some of the blows for him. That's type of his attitude that Paul has here. And and what he's saying here, let let me say this. If you don't get anything out of this message, get this. Write this down. Suffering brings about an identification with the Savior that nothing else can. Suffering brings about an identification with the Savior that nothing else can. Paul said in Philippians 3.10, he said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship or the sharing of his sufferings. He goes on to say being made conformable unto his death. Paul knew that in his sufferings, he identified with Christ and because of that, he could rejoice in them. Listen, your sufferings will, will bring you to an identification with your Savior more than anything else. Dr. Helen Rosevere was a British medical doctor who served more than 20 years in the Congo with worldwide evangelization crusades. For 20 and a half years, she served as the only doctor to an area containing more than half a million people. But in 1964, a revolution within that country overwhelmed it, and she and her co-workers were thrown into five and a half months of almost unbelievable brutality and torture. On one occasion, when Dr. Rosevore was on the verge of being executed, there was a 17-year-old student that stepped in the way, and he was beat almost to the edge of his life because of it. Dr. Rosevore became very ill. And for a moment, she thought that God had forsaken her. She never, she never, uh, she never doubted that, that Christ was with her still, but she was having her doubts. Why is she going through all of this? And as she began to read the scriptures, probably many passages like Colossians 1, verse number 24, she said it was like God told her this. 20 years ago, you asked me for the privilege of being a missionary, the privilege of being identified with me. These are not your sufferings. They are my sufferings. And as the, as the force of that, that truth hit home with her, the doctor said that she was overcome with a great sense of privilege. And she said uh, she had this sense of identification with Christ, of, of this union with him. It was elevated by her suffering. And so she was able to rejoice. Paul says here in Romans chapter, he said in Romans chapter five, that we are to rejoice in the hope of glory. We are to rejoice in the fact that we have eternal life. It doesn't take us, it's not hard for us to rejoice in that fact, right? 
that we have eternal life. We can all sit here and praise God for, for what we have in Christ, our eternal life. We can, we can rejoice in heaven. It's not hard for us to rejoice in that. We can rejoice uh, that we will have one day no pain, no sorrow, no suffering. But Paul continues to say in verse number three, he says this, and not only so, not just in heaven, not just in your eternal life, but we rejoice in tribulations also. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. What is Paul saying? Paul is saying that he's not only going to rejoice in the product of what God is going to give him in heaven, but he's also going to rejoice in the process of how God gets him there. He's going to rejoice in his sufferings. He's saying, I'm going to rejoice at every mile marker along the way because I know that God is in control. And church, we need to start Listen, as the body of Christ, and because we have Christ in us, we can also rejoice in our sufferings. Yes, it's one thing to rejoice in the things that, that wait us in heaven for all of eternity, but are we rejoicing in the here and now through the things that we go through here on this earth? Rejoice in our suffering. Know today that through your pain, there is purpose. Know today that God is working it out for your good. That God has a reason for the pain in your life. There's a purpose in your pain. Listen, through our suffering, we are identifying with Christ, the head of the church. And because of that, we can glory in our infirmities. Listen, our sufferings, we can rejoice in our sufferings because of who we are in Christ, but also the body of Christ, we can also, we are to be stewards of the mystery. We are to be stewards of the mystery. Look at verse number 25. There's a lot within here, verses 25 through 29, so I'm going to try to go through it and explain it the best I can. He says this, Where, whereof I am made a minister, according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Now, don't let that word dispensation make you panic, okay? He's not, what he's saying here, that word dispensation means simply stewardship. He says, wherefore I made a minister according to the stewardship of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Paul was given the responsibility to be a minister. He was given the, uh, the responsibility to be a steward of God's word, to fulfill the word, to declare the full counsel of the scriptures and God's revelation to the body, which is the church. So he starts off by saying, hey, this is my responsibility. We are to be stewards of something. But he goes on to say, like I said, this is one big sentence. Verse number 26, even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations but now is made manifest to his saints. What is this mystery? You see, the Old Testament always pointed to this mystery. 
But we see it now as we interpret the Old Testament scriptures in light of the New Testament. Mystery here does not mean like a puzzle to be un, un, unraveled like a murder mystery. That's not what he's talking about here. Mystery means a secret, a divine secret that was kept hidden and is now being told. Aren't you thankful for that mystery that we know today? He goes on to say, more than that, it is now made manifest to his saints. Who are the saints? Those who have believed. They're you and I here today that have placed our faith in Jesus Christ that are living out the word of God. Those that make up his body, the church, that's you and me. The mystery has been made manifest to us. But what is the mystery? Look at verse number 27. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. There it is. That's the mystery. Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's important that we see what is not said here. It does not say Christ among you. Paul clearly says Christ in you. What's also significant here is that Christ is in the Gentiles. It's not just the Jews, amen? I need all, I need all the amens from the Gentiles this morning, right? It's not just for the Jews, God's chosen people. Paul tells us in the book of Romans that because the Israelites, because God's people rejected him, it opened the door to the Gentiles. Now the mystery is being revealed to us. But here is the mystery. Listen, it's all about Jesus. And Jesus in you. Jesus in me, our hope. And we make up his physical body on earth, the church. And when we grasp Listen, when we grasp the significance of this, we begin to see how Jesus is all in all. You see, in Christ, being in Christ makes all things new. Amen? The Bible says uh, in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Listen, being in Christ uh, being in Christ, we become righteous in the eyes of God. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. As we talked about last week, he hath reconciled us. We are now holy, unblameable, unreprovable in his sight because of Christ. And being because of Christ in us, we will experience and share in his glory. The Bible says, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall we also appear with him in glory. It is the mystery that Paul preached. It is Jesus that Paul preached. The mystery. Aren't you thankful that for the mystery being revealed today for us? That Jesus is made available to us. But I want us to see here, this really focuses on our point. Because of Christ, because we are part of the body of Christ, we are to be stewards of this mystery. Look at Colossians 1.28. This is what he says. This, is, this mystery is what Paul preached. He says, whom we preach. The mystery. We preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may, be, may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Whom we preach. Preach Jesus. 
Listen, Paul's message was Christ. Clearly, Paul's hope rested in a person. Understand this morning that the gospel is not a system. The gospel is not a hierarchy. It's not a set of regulations. It is the person and work of Jesus Christ, which is indeed the mystery. Paul didn't preach politics. Paul wasn't focused on social justice. He simply preached Jesus Christ. Jesus is the message today. Jesus is the gospel. Jesus must be the focal point here at Fellowship Baptist Church. It is Jesus in you. It is Jesus in me, the mystery of Scripture, which the world fails to grasp and we as Christians often fail to see. Listen, it is Jesus and we are to be stewards of the mystery. Church, are you being a good steward of the mystery? Are you being a good steward? Because apart as the, as the body of Christ, we are called to be this type of steward. But watch how Paul preaches Christ, the mystery. He says, through warning. Warn every man. Do you want people to understand the mystery? Do you want people to understand the mystery? We are to warn every man. We want to help people with their problems. That's exactly what this word uh, for warning means. It means to deal with the issues that hinder people from believing the gospel. Warning. Warning every man. He also goes on to say, teach every man the gospel. This means knowing how to explain it. Listen, if you don't know how to explain the gospel, then, then it's time that we start learning how to explain the gospel. As a part of the body of Christ, we all should know that. We all should know how to share the mystery, to share, to warn every man, to teach every man, knowing how to navigate the scriptures about it, knowing the objections to it. But here's the end game with the mystery. He says, to present everyone perfect in Christ. We are to be leading people to Christ, but not just leading people to Christ to trust Him, but to also grow in grace. We are to lead people to be all that they can be and should be in Christ. And I think we need to ask ourselves this morning, are we being good stewards of the mystery? Fellowship Baptist Church, are we being good stewards of the mystery? You see, I think if we were being the type of stewards that we should be, we would see people saved. And I'm preaching to myself more than any, anyone else in here today. But I think if we were truly being the stewards that we should be when it comes to the mystery of the gospel of Jesus Christ that is now revealed to us today through scriptures, if we were doing our job, we would see the baptism waters turned on. If we were being the stewards that we needed to be, then we would be inviting those that we work with to church. We would be telling others about Jesus, those that we come in contact with. And we have to start asking ourselves the question, as, as I asked myself this morning, am I being the type of steward that I need to be when it comes to the mystery? 
Church, I think we should all be convicted by that today. I know I am. Because we fail in that area. But I want you to see how important this was to Paul. How important it was for him to be this type of steward that he was called to be. He says in verse number 29, whereunto, he says all of these things, whereunto I also labor and I strive according to his working, which is working in me mightily. Listen, these words are not all warm and fuzzy words. He says labor. That word labor means to toil to the place of exhaustion. To toil to the place of exhaustion. He says striving. That word means agonizing. It's not always easy, church. But sometimes, listen, do we have that same heart of Paul to say, hey, I'm willing to strive. I'm willing to agonize. I'm willing to toil to the point of exhaustion with spreading the mystery, with being the type of steward that I need to be when it comes to the mystery of the gospel. He strove for it. He labored for it. He toiled. But I love how he says, he says, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. If it weren't for Christ working in us, we couldn't labor. If it wasn't for Christ working in us, we could not strive. Understand today that we have the very power of the universe within us. And he says, go ye therefore and preach the gospel. He says, be a good steward of the mystery of the gospel. And he says, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. What a wonderful promise that, hey, we, can, we don't have to do this alone. We don't have to share this mystery. We don't have to be the type of stewards that we need to be. We don't have to labor alone. We don't have to strive alone. We do it according to his working in us. He is with us. Church, body of Christ, are you living on your own or is Jesus taking preeminence in all things? I've said this before, but at the end of the day, when all is said and done, it is all about Jesus. Have you made your life all about Jesus? Listen, that is the secret. That is the mystery. Jesus in you, the hope of glory. It's all about him, church. One life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. We are His body, the church. And understand, in Him and through Him, we can rejoice in our suffering because there's purpose in our pain. In Him and through Him, we can be this type of stewards of the mystery that God desires us to be. It's going to take some labor. It's going to take some toiling. It's going to take some striving, but it is according to his working, which worketh in us mightily. Listen, church, body of Christ, we can suffer, we can take joy, we can rejoice in our sufferings. Why? Because it identifies us with Christ. 
We can take joy in our sufferings, but not only that, we are to be stewards of the mystery. Are you doing your part? Paul's encouraging this church, hey, listen, I labor for it. I strive for it. Because it's all about him. It's not all about me. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Fellowship Baptist Church. Come visit us at 2501 Michigan Avenue, Panama City, Florida. For more information or to donate to this ministry, visit fbcpanamacity.com. Have a great week.